it's really, you know, and this is where the, you know, political action committee from the American College of Cardiology is, is really not a left-leaning, right-leaning. It's, as we, we like to call it, it's the cardiology party. We're focused on our patients. We're focused on our profession. And when you think about it that way, which is, which is a shift in thinking, you're much more likely to get over that inertia and say, you know what, maybe I, I, I will get involved. You're listening to Parallax from Radcliffe Cardiology in association with makeadent.org. Here is your host, Ankur Kalra, MD. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of Parallax. Um, so this episode is um, with um, a colleague, a partner, and a dear friend, um, Dr. Vijay Rao. Um, I got introduced to Dr. Vijay Rao, you know, when I moved from Ohio to Indiana, this was last year, he graciously reached out to, um, um, you know, seek my participation in one of the conferences, the annual conferences for the Indiana State Chapter for the American College of Cardiology. So um, for those of you who do not know Dr. Vijay Rao, Dr. Vijay Rao is the, the current governor, so the incumbent governor of the Indiana Chapter of the American College of Cardiology. He is also the Director of Heart Failure and Cardio-Oncology at Franciscan Health in Indianapolis, in Indiana. Um, so with that introduction and with that preamble, Vijay, welcome on the show and thank you so much for doing this for us on a Saturday morning. Oh, it's my pleasure, Ankur, and uh, thank you so much for the invitation. Uh, really looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, likewise. Um, so, you know, Vijay, like we were talking, you know, off the line um, you know, I've I've known you for about a year. It was about this time last year when I made the move from Ohio to Indiana, and you graciously reached out to me as the as the incumbent governor of the Indiana chapter of the American College of Cardiology, which you know, by the way, has been a very prominent chapter for uh, the ACC. Uh, you know, I think if you look at all the chapters uh, uh, nationally, then the Indiana chapter stands out. Um, you know, also in part because of um, how many have then reach, you know, uh, moved on to um, serve the college, uh, you know, nationally, uh, you know, from from our state. Um, so I'd like to start this conversation um, by asking you as to, you know, what uh, motivated you to seek um, a position um, as the Indiana chapter governor, because I do know that you are a very busy clinician and also um, a researcher. I mean, you are involved in uh, cardio-oncology networks, you know, nationally and, you know, if not globally. So, you know, with a busy clinical practice and with an interest in research, how did you then carve out time and motivation to seek for something like an, you know, important, uh, I would say, administrative position for the, for the state chapter? Yeah, no, that's, uh, thank you for that question. I, I, um, you know, I think it goes back quite a few years uh, when um, I was just getting started in my practice here at Franciscan. I had just completed training uh, as a advanced heart failure transplant doc out at the University of California, San Francisco, and uh, was sort of in this academic uh, versus private practice kind of conundrum. Um, you know, spending most spending most of my career as a as a MD PhD doing basic science research, uh, doing some clinical epidemiology and biostatistics when I was out in California, um, really trying to figure out where I could make the, the biggest impact for, for our patients. 
and ultimately ended up, um, you know, thankfully in a terrific position at Franciscan in Indianapolis that has allowed me to do a little of all of those things that I just mentioned, um, save the basic science. Um, from that perspective, uh, I've gotten quite involved with the research program at Franciscan, doing a lot of clinical trial work. Uh, it is a busy clinical practice, um, uh, really enjoyable practice. Um, so got you know dug in when I jumped into my current group and started to get involved with the heart failure program and a number of other initiatives, quality initiatives around the hospital. Uh, and at that point, probably about three years into my early career, um, started to get more involved with the American College of Cardiology. It really uh, serves as a professional home for cardiovascular healthcare professionals. Uh, at that time, uh, Dr. Ed Fry was the governor of the Indiana chapter of ACC, who just completed an amazing year as our national president. Um, but, uh, you know, at that point, really wanted to uh, take a lot of what I was able to accomplish and, and learn from uh, my experience at Franciscan and be able to start working with others around the state of Indiana uh, to see if we could improve health for individuals across the state. Uh, I grew up here in Indianapolis, uh, you know, consider myself a Hoosier, born here at IU. And uh, I just feel like, unfortunately, uh, despite having really strong healthcare systems in Indiana, we still have some of the worst outcomes from a cardiovascular perspective uh, in, in a number of different areas. So those are some of my initial motivations to try to get involved with ACC and see what the group and, uh, and the Indiana chapter could do. Um, so I had uh, four years on the board of governors uh, of Indiana, uh, working with folks across the state and um, really, really enjoyed that position. I think uh, what I really liked about it is there was a focus on developing leaders. Um, there was terrific uh, annual meetings where I got to network and, uh, work with fellows in training who are, you know, who are our future, uh, working on, um, you know, the planning of the meeting and the programs and all that sort of thing. And I just really felt like the organization was doing a lot for, for our patients and, and our profession. So after those four years, um, you know, there's a limit in terms of the number of uh, times you can run for that board of governors. I think it was a fairly uh, active and engaging group of individuals um, that rotate on and off um, was actually invited uh, every three years. There's a new Indiana ACC governor and um, having worked with the prior governors quite a bit on a number of different projects, I, th I think most recently of which was the pandemic uh, virtual webinar series where it became very difficult to try to bring people together uh, in person uh, I sort of spearheaded along with Don Westerhausen, our former governor, a number of different um, uh, COVID-related uh, webinars that were focusing on, you know, how to handle the how to handle workflows, and I think those were really well uh, received from folks across the state. And um, at that point, uh, you know, I was invited by the you know the the prior three governors get together, and they sort of put a list of folks that they think might be uh, good candidates. Uh, I was invited uh, about a year and a half ago to uh, apply um, and, uh, you know, thankfully was given the opportunity. And here we are one year later, um, time flies, but uh, that's kind of how I got involved. 
Yeah, no, excellent. So, um, you know, and you've, you've brought up, I mean, there's a lot to unpack here. Uh, you, you brought up uh, the, the poor state of, uh, of Hoosiers, unfortunately, uh, you know, despite having robust healthcare systems across the state of Indiana. And, uh, you know, that is something that I will uh, talk to you more about later in the conversation when we talk about advocacy. Uh, but, you know, before that, uh, you know, for someone who's interested, you know, early career fellows in training um, or even mid-career, you know, people who are interested in getting more involved with the American College of Cardiology, um, you know, nationally, um, I've been told, uh, you know, by, you know, friends and, and colleagues who've, uh, you know, like yourself, been, you know, involved at the state level, um, that, you know, that is where you start. Um, you know, it's sort of very similar to, um, you know, our political system in the U.S., that, you, you know, you start at the grassroots level, you start by getting involved with your state chapters. Um, so if someone who's interested in getting involved with the state chapter, with the Indiana state chapter, um, and this is for fellows in training and early career or even mid-career, uh, you know, I'm, you know, this is for the, the vast majority of our listenership, um, what would you recommend them? How, how should they approach, you know, this is not only for our state of Indiana, but for, you know, other state chapters across the, the 50 states, how would you, um, how would you, uh, what would you tell them as to how to approach the leadership of the state chapters? Should they, could they just write, uh, you know, uh, like a, like a cold email? Uh, is, is that something that is welcome or is there a specific channel through which you have to approach if you're interested in getting involved? Yeah, I, I think uh, it's extremely important. I mean, the future of our profession really depends on engaging our fellows in training and early career members. Uh, and there are multiple ways individuals can do that. And there are national um, sections. So, for example, topic-related heart failure imaging. But there is a national fellow in training group. Um, but but to your point, I think that the easiest way to get engaged with ACC is to do it at your local level, uh, working with your, you know, every single chapter across the country has an annual meeting, for example. Uh, there are opportunities there to present your research as a fellow, uh, be able to get on speaker panels as a uh, junior faculty member, uh, both as well as an academic, as well as private practice folks. And I think that's a great way to engage with your chapter is to start getting more involved at the, at the annual meeting, uh, networking, uh, showing interest. I think if you just come forward, you know, in our profession, we have a lot of type A folks, a lot of people who uh, really like to accomplish a lot. They're very uh, driven. And I think one of the key aspects is to, you know, approach your state governor um, you know, your, your mentors within your own institution, many of which are involved with ACC and figure out ways that you can get more involved. But starting with the annual meeting, I think is a great opportunity. Um, as far as the legislative piece, there's opportunities for uh, FITS as well, fellows in training, as well as junior faculty to get involved with advocacy. There's, um, you know, a national legislative day. And I know we'll talk more about advocacy later in the, in the conversation, but, those are opportunities for anyone who wants to get involved and advocate for your patients. Uh, there are statewide legislative days, which we just had recently, which, uh, you know, we had an opportunity to work together on, uh, as well as national uh, legislative uh, days. And then, of course, the ACC meeting itself, uh, I would encourage all members to attend the national meeting. 
Uh, it is a large meeting. I believe there were 35,000 members that recently attended approximately the New Orleans meeting that we just completed. And there are lots of opportunities by engaging at the national meeting um, with your local chapter, as well as within your area of expertise. I think that's another important piece is people start to uh, differentiate themselves in the sense of their their clinical interests. For example, for me, it was cardio-oncology. And so to be able to engage with members in the subsections of cardio of your specialty with ACC is another great, great way to get involved uh, at sort of um, both a local and national level. Yeah, no, um, th- thanks. That, that's, um, uh, that's a terrific answer. Um, so Vijay, for, um, um, in, in terms of fellows in training and early career, um, uh, who then want to, um, you know, further their, uh, path within the state chapters. Uh, I mean, you know, you certainly, you know, I mean, for you, uh, the work that you did with the Indiana chapter of the American College of Cardiology was, was noted and it was, it, 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 it came at a time when, um, you know, that opportunity presented itself and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure you would have done a terrific job as you are with the, with the Indiana state chapter. Uh, is it, I mean, I, and I know your work speaks for itself, um, but is there, like, are there scouts? <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm asking this for, uh, you know, for myself as well as for others who've asked me this question as to, you know, what is the process of getting picked for uh, the position of a governor for the state chapter? So are there like, you know, are there chapter scouts that are like, you know, past governors that are looking for future governors and, um, or, you know, is there a certain level of participation in a state chapter that, um, is required? Like that is, uh, you know, at least the, the qualifying line for someone to, uh, you know, demonstrate their interest or even be considered for this position. Yeah, I, the ACC takes uh, leadership very seriously, and uh, you know, including leadership institutes and a number of other uh, national initiatives. Um, but I think the most important way that ACC goes about this is they constantly are looking at the board of trustees. So, so there is a group of about eighteen individuals from around each state which are on the state board of the ACC, and. Uh, as I was mentioning earlier, I had had, had two term, two two year terms as a statewide representative, and that's an opportunity for an individual. And, and it, that, by the way, that includes um, fit members. Uh, so fellows in training are part of that board. Um, there are positions that are dedicated to that. So that's a great way for a fellow in training to get involved is to apply for one of those positions on the statewide level and get involved, like I did, with the statewide activities. Um, as far as the governorship, that really is coming from the group of individuals who have been on that board. So when you say in terms of like a recruitment board, or what, it really is the prior governors who are looking at individuals who have been on the statewide board who have contributed uh, to the overall uh, mission um, and, you know, as you point out, folks are very busy, you know, with their clinical practice. Um, we all have, um, you know, leadership opportunities within our own institutions. But when it comes to, you know, being able to balance, being able to do what you do at your local level, but also giving your time and effort to the statewide chapter, 
I think that's what's recognized by prior governors. It's it's folks who volunteer to help with planning the the statewide meeting. It's individuals who you know show up and attend the legislative sessions and provide uh, input. Um, so I think it's it's definitely. And, and to your point, we have a, a meeting coming up in a few weeks. I mean, I'm, I'm just one year in as governor of a three year term, but we have a meeting with the prior governors in a few weeks to start talking about uh, the pipeline of individuals we want to put forward for uh, consideration for the next governor, which is two years from now. Um, you know, one of the things that ACC also does is they have a year in training. So there will be an election. The next governor will be um, voted in across the state. And then that individual will have a year to kind of train, uh, you know, uh, with me uh, coming to meetings, going to the board of governors meetings at the national level and kind of understanding the whole process. So it, you know, someone doesn't just jump right in and not have a sense of what they need to do, which is really great uh, from the perspective of developing um you know, allowing people to hit the ground running when they start their new position. Yeah, no, I mean, this is this is just terrific content, Vijay. You know, thank you so much for sharing this for us, because for a lot of us, it's um, sort of the unknown. You know, it's the it's the black hole. You, you just don't know what transpires. But, you know, it certainly sounds like that there is, you know, a very robust method to this madness, um, you know, and um it's commendable how seriously the college takes leadership. So thank you for bringing this to the fore uh, for the listenership. I think this would be enlightening to many, um, you know, as to the process of uh, getting um, involved at the state level. And then, you know, a, a year in training for the leadership at the state level is is fantastic. And I'm, I'm certain uh, is also emulated at the national level. Is that, is that right? Or, Yes, that's that's exactly right. I mean, I think they um, they develop, for example, the I sit on the board of governors where that's the governor of each of the states uh, meets together uh, and um, they you know, call the BOG uh, for short. But uh, that group often, uh, ha- you know, every year has a chair and they have uh, a, a steering committee and there's a chair elect. Uh, at the national level, certainly there's a president, there's a vice president, there's a secretary treasurer, uh, and there's always a group that is collecting individuals um, that they think would be good candidates for that. And, and uh, you know, having them get into the, um, the training mode where they can be involved. And so it occurs at every single level of the organization uh, is, is constantly looking at who um, the next individuals are that can step up to to continue to grow the college. So yes, it, it occurs really throughout the organization, and it's really I think one of the, the real strengths of the organization. Excellent. So um, you know, uh, what has um, in your role um, and, and as you were pursuing this, uh, you know, the the one year in training, and then with the one year that you've been um, at the helm for the state uh, chapter. Um, what has, um, in, in your opinion, or in your evaluation of this role, um, what have you, there's a, this is a two-part question, you know, the, the first part is, what have you learned the most, um, you know, sort of which uh, may have been a blind spot for you? Um, and then the second part of the question is, um, how has this role um, made you an even better professional than what you think you were? 
Yeah, I mean, I, two good questions. I think the the first one is in terms of what I've learned about myself uh, through this process. I think, you know, having worked with uh, folks at Franciscan at my own institution uh, and doing a lot of um, committee work and leadership, uh, I think it, it becomes you know, very obvious that in order to be a leader, one really needs to find individuals with passion uh, be able to figure out how to motivate other individuals. I think what we get so caught up with is individuals, you know, doing most of the work and trying to to improve outcomes for patients and et cetera. But you really can't do that in isolation. Uh, I mean, it's easier to do a little bit on a local level, but as you're starting to branch out and try to make big sweeping changes, you know, sort of at a state level and a national level, you have to create um, a, a group of passionate individuals. You have to be able to motivate others to to give of themselves, and and that's difficult. I, I think to your point, everyone is so busy. Everyone has got their family life, they have their work life, they're trying to find that balance. And um, you know, there's only so many hours in the day between writing papers and doing things. And so, being able to you know speak to others to be able to motivate others that there's there's a reason to put some time and effort into the ACC. Uh, that, that I think was probably the most eye-opening thing for me is to, is to be able to recognize that one individual, you know, really can't accomplish very much, but, but a team of, of passionate individuals who are motivated can accomplish anything. And in our, in our field and other fields, there are so many talented individuals who, you know, haven't been tapped. They haven't been approached. They haven't been given the opportunity to to do those things and so i have i think learned that i i need i am becoming better at identifying indiv- and every you know every individual has something to offer so being able to recognize the talents that individual people can bring to the table that could then help the overall organization is a is a skill set that i'm i think over the last year i've, I've really started to hone uh, and recognizing that, you know, we can't accomplish much without that. So I think that's probably the biggest thing for me uh, to answer your first question. Probably part of what I just answered was more of your second question. Um, and the first question was? Was uh, what, what, in your opinion, or in your assessment of the year that has gone by, what do you think was your blind spots or something which you were not aware of? And, you know, over the past year, you've become more aware of. Um, you know, after having assumed this role? No, that's, yeah, that's a good question. So I think that to answer your first question, and I think we'll get into this in a little bit, is how important advocacy is. I, I, I think in this last year, um, I, I, you know, I had never uh, really participated in a significant way on um, the advocacy front, uh, you know, I knew about what was going around, going on nationally with certain topics, but, and I would contribute a little bit here and there, but I think the blind spot was that, wow, advocacy really, really matters both for our profession, but as well as for our patients. And that without jumping in and really committing oneself and, and, and motivating others, 
we can't accomplish very much in terms of, I mean, so much of what occurs in our profession is happening at the legislative level, whether it comes to reimbursement, uh, modes of care, value-based care, um, quality, uh, equity, all of these things are absolutely critical to the day-to-day things that we do. And I think as we go to work every day and take care of our patients, we, we lose sight of that. And I think you just, you know, we as a profession, as a healthcare provider and myself personally need to step up and, you know, make our voices heard. I think traditionally physicians, healthcare providers, have not been very good advocates. We have not been very good about going to our legislators and convincing them that these are important issues to us. Um, many other professions, as you know, uh, in our government system, uh, with lobbyists and other folks who are able to really uh, move the needle uh, for their own causes. And I think traditionally we have not been good at that. So I I think that was probably the blind spot that I have recognized as a individual, but as well as a profession, we need to really start engaging more on the advocacy front. And there's so much that, that can happen. And I'll just give you one quick example. Um, you know, as, as coming in as governor, as you know, a very uh, hot topic was the overturning of, you know, the Roe Ro v. Wade with the Dobbs decision. And you think, well, how does that impact a cardiovascular uh, profession? How does that impact me as a governor of Indiana ACC? And very rapidly, I, I came to realize that, you know, the impacts, whether you're pro-choice or pro-life, the bottom line is the uh, the, the women who are pregnant uh, have a lot of, you know, it's the leading cause of maternal mortality is cardiovascular disease. And a lot of these women have cardiovascular conditions um, that may preclude or make it difficult for them uh, to actually carry a, a full pregnancy. And so, you know, being, you know, not really recognizing that, but coming to the fore immediately, we, we you know, and I think in large part, I'll give a lot of credit to Dr. Mary Walsh, uh, who is was a former national ACC president and very um, staunch advocate across the state uh, and, and nation um, for women in cardiology as well. But we we had worked together um, quite rapidly having to go to this the, the state house and start, you know, bringing up the topic of of maternal mortality and maternal health, that there may there may need to be exceptions, that it, that it shouldn't just be an all-out abortion ban, that there are uh, exceptions for the life of the mother and the health of the mother. And those are things we put forward that I don't think that voice was getting out there. Um, so I feel like we were able to do that. But, you know, those are things that just came up immediately. And, and you know, I think most people wouldn't have thought of that. Most people, um, you know, didn't know how to uh, you know, realize that that was even an issue, to be honest. So I think that's just one example how, how you know, advocacy matters. Yeah, no, it's, it's profound. And, you know, I, it's such a great answer in advocacy because um, after I spent that day with you earlier this month, um, the legislative day for the state, and, you know, we were at the state capitol building all day together. Um, and I sort of was learning how to... Um, you know, so first of all, thank you for providing us with all the materials. They were very well organized, um, detailed. And, you know, for someone who's not done advocacy at all um, or been at any of the legislative days, you know, I'm talking about my experience here and as to why this is such a blind spot for, for so many of us um, that 
you know, I mean, and we are really good at reading stuff. I mean, we read so many articles and journals and we try to, um, uh, you know, just inculcate and imbibe all that information into our daily practice. And, you know, what was eye opening for me at the end of that day was, uh, you know, how important it is to, to be a voice of your, your profession at the advocacy level, because there are decisions that are being made. Uh, which are going to impact each of us individually and collectively also as a profession and also our patients. And, you know, it, 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 you know, to me, it's like the two most important stakeholders are the doctors and the patients. And I'm not sure if any of us are at the table, you know? Um, so, you know, that to me was such an eye opener after that day that I was like, you know, I've, I've, this is so important. Like this is, this is crucial um, to have our voice uh, be heard by, um, you know, the, the senators and the representatives. And, you, you know, these are the people who are making decisions. And, you know, I think these are, they're good people. I, I think they, I think the depth percept, the depth perception of the, the topic that you and I would have as cardiologists would certainly, they would not have that. So it's so important to present our perspective to them so that they can also make fully informed decisions about, you know, policies which are going to affect so many of us, right? Um, um, so, you know, that, so it's, it's a great answer because, it, it, you know, that you said advocacy and I was nodding my head that, you know, for me that day was such an eye opener, you know, for me as a person, as a, as a physician, as a cardiologist, you know, taking care of patients. But to your point on, um, you know, Roe versus Wade and how that would impact our patients, you know, many of whom are, uh, you know, pregnant women with underlying cardiovascular conditions. And, you know, um, we just uh, presented the national data last year at the American Heart Association annual scientific sessions that paper was published in the European Heart Journal. Um, the, the two conditions that come to mind immediately, right, would be, you know, postpartum cardiomyopathy, which would be a deterrent for future pregnancies, because uh, that would be harmful for our patients. And, you know, we take the oath of doing no harm, no matter what. And then the, the second big one is spontaneous coronary dissection. And I'm not sure if, I mean, I'm sure you would have addressed these conditions as the governor, but, um, is that, that, that is, I'm, I'm understanding it correctly, right? As to what you explained. Yeah. I think those are, those are certainly conditions that, that would impact, uh, future pregnancies. Uh, but you know, other things like severe pulmonary hypertension, like stenotic lesions with a, you know, aortic stenosis or congenital heart disease. Those are other, you know, aspects, uh, in addition that if a if a woman were to become pregnant could have uh, catastrophic outcomes, both for her as well as her, uh, her baby. So yeah, I think there's a spectrum of, uh, conditions that, um, and, and to your point, I think, you know, they really, legislators are trying to do the right thing, but I, I think that they really need content experts, which are the, you know, healthcare professionals. They need to hear what, what's going on uh, on the ground. They need to hear examples and testimonials of what this means to their constituents, their patients, uh, our patients, their constituents. Uh, and I think the other point I would just make about it is that, you know, Political uh, discourse is so polarizing that I think in, when people start to think about it, uh, you know, and I'm speaking here to all of the sort of cardiovascular health professionals is, you know, one would just say, well, I'm not going to get involved with that. It's too polarizing. There's, you know, there's the Democratic side, the, the liberal side, the conservative side. 
And I just don't want to have to, you know, I've got enough stress in my life. This isn't something I want to kind of, you know, jump into because, you know, nothing ever gets done in Washington, et cetera, et cetera. But I think that the, the perspective, the, the framework should shift that it's really, you know, and this is where the, you know, political action committee from the American College of Cardiology is, is really not a left-leaning, right-leaning. It's, as we, we like to call it, it's the cardiology party. We're focused on our patients. We're focused on our profession. And when you think about it that way, which is, which is a shift in thinking, you're much more likely to get over that inertia and say, you know what, maybe I, I, I will get involved. I'll show up for that legislative day. I'll see what I can do. And I encourage others like you, you did recently to come to our legislative um, uh, offerings and kind of learn, learn the ropes. And, and, and I think you'll see that again, it's, it's, yes, you are talking to folks on different sides of the aisle and there are different uh, viewpoints but when you come at it with the perspective of I'm really here to advocate for patient care, you're here advocating for your profession, um, really a lot of that polarization starts to melt away and you realize that you can get a lot accomplished. So that would be, I think, an important message for your audience. Yeah, no, it's, you know, very eloquently put and thank you for putting it across in that fashion. Um, you know, a few um you know, a few eight to 10 minutes left for the, for the show and for the podcast episode. And, you know, thank you. This has been such an enlightening conversation for me as a cardiologist who, um, you know, has had the opportunity to work with you recently on legislative day and, uh, you know, also sort of getting involved with you at the state chapter for, uh, for our upcoming annual meeting. What is, what are a few things which, um, you know, your, in your tenure of two, two years as the governor, um, you want to um, accomplish as as the state governor, um, and then maybe uh, we can talk about some of the disruptive topics you think you are bringing to the fore as the governor. And you know, you've been very collaborative and forthcoming with getting you know individuals like myself on board. Uh, you know, to sort of hear our voices on what would what maybe some of the disruptive ideas that could be presented at the state forum. So thank you for that, but. Um, I'll have you. I'll have you start by answering the first, the first question, which is, um, you know, what are some of the, um, uh, some of the tasks you would want to see accomplished in your tenure, uh, in your in the remainder of your tenure? Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that question. I, I think, um, you know, we've really focused a lot on advocacy in this first year, and I think we certainly want to continue. Um, you know, we we've built a lot of relationships, I think, even more so in the last year as governor than we have done in many years prior. And I think I'd like to see us continue to, um, you know, develop a cohort of individuals such as yourself and others, the leaders around the state, to develop stronger relationships and ties to be able to put our cardiovascular voice forward uh, in the state. So, Number one, I would say is build on the successes we've had um, and and start uh, being able to, you know, and the other aspect of that, which we haven't talked about, is being able to bring uh, bills forward uh, to the legislature. So the, the Indiana State Medical Association uh, is sort of the forum for doing that. And I am going to try and encourage more of our members to, you know, be able to think and uh, put some these these bills are not that hard to actually put together when there's a, a pretty simple format. 
So being able to come up with ideas that can improve health in Indiana and be able to take that forward uh, on any number of topics, uh, you know, we don't have time to get into all the details today, but I, I, I want to continue to encourage and develop and foster that uh, strong advocacy tie that we have in the state. So that would be number one. Um, we have a couple of subsections. We have a new developing heart failure subsection that uh, Dr. Maya Gublin at IU is going to help lead um, with Dr. I believe it's Adigopala from Community. And um, we are, uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're able to accomplish. I want to support that group. I think we would like to see improved uh, heart failure outcomes across the state. Um, you know, we have new therapies now with guideline-directed medical therapy, which is grossly being underutilized at a national level, but as well as in the state. So I'd love to see how that group and, and support that group and trying to come up with initiatives to, um, you know, track that sort of information, identify barriers to access around the state, and try to think creatively how to um, uh, to support that group. So that, that would be a, a second topic that I'm excited about. Uh, and then lastly, I, you know, we've got a um, the Indiana subsection of cardio-oncology, uh, which I started a couple of years back, uh, is just got a grant from the uh, ACC, a three-chapter uh, grant, Texas, um, Washington State, and Indiana. And we are working on a uh, web, a mobile app platform to be able to carry health information of, and specifically in this case, cardio-oncology, that could be linked to the uh, cloud that will be portable for patients as they travel across state lines. And this could then be used by adult congenital patients. As you know, we see some of these folks and the patients have no idea what they got 5, 10, 15, 20 years ago in terms of the chemotherapy, in terms of the radiation, in terms of the surgical aspect of adult congenital heart disease. So we are partnering with the ACC Innovation Section. We're working, um, we just got the grant about a month ago, and um, Vlad Zaha in uh, Texas at UT Southwestern and Richard Chang in Washington State, the three of us and and our respective chapters are looking to develop that over the next year and then start to spread that information out and make it accessible to all of ACC uh, as a both uh, Apple and um, Android app. So I'm excited about that. That's I'm going to be putting a fair amount of my effort and, and attention to that. So those would probably be the three areas that uh, I would uh, throw out there for you. Yeah, excellent. And then, you know, just to um, wrap up the um, the episode, maybe, uh, you know, just a shout out to our upcoming uh, annual meeting, uh, I think, which would be in September. Um, do you want to just um, talk to uh, you know, local folks in the state about about the upcoming meeting and, you know, what do you see um, in terms of, um, you know, the topics and the speakers that are going to be uh, talking uh, to us about um, at the meeting? Yeah, no, I, so, of course, the, um, the meeting has really, we went back in person uh, this past year after two years of being virtual, uh, very well attended meeting, a great opportunity to network, uh, we presented um, Dr. Feigenbaum with the Career Award for his incredible contributions to both echocardiography as well as ACC. Um, and we're looking to build on that. So um, this fall, uh, the incoming, uh, and to your point earlier, this is the incoming um, national president, Kathy Biga, 
who will take over uh, the following year uh, for um, Hadley Wilson, who's our now uh, current national president, is going to be our keynote speaker. Uh, she will be talking about, um, you know, the national ACC uh, initiatives uh, and kind of give us a general overview uh, of where the college is going. Uh, she also brings an incredibly um, uh, deep background in the business aspect of medicine and understanding workflows and, and quality and value. And so she'll, she'll bring that, uh, I think, perspective to her talk as well. Um, we are uh, going to be talking about, um, we really want to get our FITS engaged. So we are having a discussion about having um, the FITS in each of the different um, uh, general cardiology, heart failure, and EP to present uh, some uh, some of the top clinical trials in each of those spaces to to the group. Uh, so that's always it's always great to engage the fits. And there's, there'll be a poster competition which we have every year uh, with awards for for fits. And um, uh, so we look forward to that. Um, uh, Dr. Walsh, uh, you know, has recently led a group that uh, had a Jack paper published on um, alternative pathways and careers in cardiology. So, um, you know, finding that life-work balance, I love that term life-work as opposed to work-life, um, and trying to, um, uh, you know, engage. We have a, a cardiologist, a, senior, a retired cardiologist who's going to be coming back to our practice at Franciscan, who's helping with workflows and reading vascular studies. And uh, we have a huge uh, shortage uh, in our workforce in the cardiovascular field that are projected over the next five to 10 years. And we have to think, and, and we have a booming, a baby boomer population of cardiologists whose average age, you know, is in the sixties. So we have got to think creatively about how to handle that. Some of it is, you know, the engagement of our advanced practice providers. Some of it is, um, being able to have career flexibility um, in terms of, you know, part-time as well as some of our retired cardiologists. So I think that's going to be an outstanding um, panel discussion that I think will benefit all of the members coming to the meeting. We're going to have another group talking about um, cardiomyopathies, both amyloid as well as sarcoid, two uh, really important aspects of cardiomyopathy care, which there have been a lot of um, uh, breakthroughs in that space. And so we have some really terrific speakers uh, coming to talk to us about that. Um, and then lastly, we'll have a, a discussion on antithrombotic therapy. So I think a real wide spectrum of topics, uh, a terrific meeting. I encourage all of the Indiana ACC members to attend. Um, and uh, I do think, uh, give a special shout out to you, uh, Ankur, for being part of the uh, panel uh, or the part of the uh, team that is working to put together all those topics. Uh, your contributions in the short time that I've known you to ACC have have really impressed me, and uh, and I look forward to you know your continued engagement, and um, you know hopefully we can get you to apply for the board of governors, and uh, and you know continue to stay engaged with us on a statewide level. So thank you so much uh, for all that you've done in, in the short time that you've been in our state. Oh, no, you know, just uh, thank you for the opportunity and thank you for reaching out and thank you for considering me, you know, someone who could contribute and more than happy to, uh, you know, be of uh, uh, both contribution and resource to you as well as to the to the state chapter. Um, we did. This has been a, a fantastic uh, conversation. Thank you for um, sparing, you know, time away from family on a on a weekend morning with us. And yeah, thank you. I appreciate again the opportunity and uh this uh, podcast delivery is really a terrific uh, media 
um, advance. And uh, I really look forward to hearing many more of your uh, your podcasts as the as you continue to do this work. So, thank you again, Ankur, and uh, uh, thank you to the listeners as well. Yeah, thanks. Thanks a lot. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast produced by Radcliffe Cardiology in association with MakeADent.org. We aim to bring you a new angle of all things cardiology every second week. Review us on your favourite podcast app or send your comments or questions to podcast at ratcliffe-group.com. To view the series, head to radcliffecardiology.com forward slash podcasts forward slash parallax. Thanks for listening.